You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we are going back to the suburbs, as I promised late last year. We're getting to the grassroots, and we're going to start with one of my favourite poster boy gentrification suburbs over the last few years. I can't think of a suburb in Western Australia that has tracked this path in terms of price growth since COVID. It is Willoughby, as per the name of the episode and there is only one person we can speak to when it comes to the Willoughby property market. It is Willoughby's number one sales agent for as long as I've been alive. It is Siobhan McHale from Yard Property. How are you going Siobhan? Thanks Trent. What a nice introduction. <laughs> well it was, it was a sort of silver tongue I think there. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. It seems like it has been a very busy last three or four years, especially for you. Obviously, transacting in Willoughby has been quite the roller coaster over the last decade, and you've been the number one in Willoughby for a very long time. But specifically, mm. the last three or four years, surely you wouldn't even have believed the prices you're getting now. I'm a big fan of Willoughby and always have been for the last. This will be my 15th year selling in Willoughby. So. When you think about prices only three or four years ago, mm. there really isn't a suburb in Western Australia other than maybe your bottom 10 suburbs that are coming from those $200,000 price points that have grown this significantly. We're talking about properties that most of which development blocks, units, freestanding houses on full blocks, on half blocks, everything in Willoughby was selling for around the $500,000 mark only three, four years ago. Now, we're breaking records every week at the moment and getting into seven figures sometimes. It is an absolute stratospheric change Absolutely. and it can only be characterized by that word, gentrification. Have you seen a big change, a big shift in the demographic of people coming in over the last few years? Absolutely. Over the last four to five years, it's been massive in terms of the type of buyer that wants to move into Willoughby. But it doesn't surprise me. It's surrounded by well-established, really strong performing suburbs like Melville, Palmyra, Cardinia, Winthrop. We would only expect that it was ever going to go up in terms of price. Well, you make a really good point there. It's that ripple effect. When you've got a suburb that historically has struggled in the price points because of its state housing background mm. decades ago. That's right. And then you have that surrounded by suburbs like that. You know, we've got Melville, Winthrop. These mm. are blue chip suburbs that have been in the million dollar mark for a, a little while now. You can't have suburbs adjacent to each other with such massive median house price differences. Yes. It really was only going to come up one way, wasn't it? Because the Winthrops, the Melvilles, they are really hitting some peaky price points that a lot of people that historically have lived there just can't afford anymore. That's where Willoughby has come in as a big performer. We've often got the Riverside suburbs, Melville, Palmyra. They've just been outpriced in those areas. You know, if you're looking in the millions, I sold three properties over a million dollars just in December. And the amount of buyers that were attracted to Willoughby due to the infrastructure as well, that's a big thing that's changed. Sadly's estate coming in, it really did change things as far as Willoughby went during COVID. You've also got along the Archibald Street precinct, you've got Croissantry that's just come in. There's 
multiple cafes, you've got pizzerias, you've now got restaurants, you've got that infrastructure in terms of medical, podiatry, chiropractors. So everything you need is within Willoughby. You don't really have to go outside of Willoughby very often to find the services that someone needs. Do you think it has definitively broken Mm -hmm. the shackles of its past when you think about other (laughs) suburbs that had that it's a fact it it had that state housing history but it it just feels like whilst there are still properties that are owned by the state housing commission like most suburbs in perth it really feels like it's just pushed out of that now and it's become really a family suburb that uh, has that range of young people older people people come there for the primary school these days it feels like no one's talking about that anymore other than me obviously Mm. because we have to look back to look forward i think in property it doesn't feel like another suburb for example you you think about cool which has also performed extremely well over the last few years but i still think there's a bit of a stigma with cool i don't think willoughby has that stigma anymore yes absolutely whether it be a young couple coming into willoughby or older couples coming in in previous times I suppose the surrounding suburbs when older people looking to downsize would bypass Willoughby, they're now looking, Siobhan, we need something, so we need to get into the area, we're really keen. So they know that the infrastructure is there and that's what's attracting them. And also the prices, we're no longer looking at a first-home buyer. They can't afford anything really under 700000 unless they go with the older villas that we've got on Winnicott Street. You just can't find anything in a, a, a lower price point. In well, the let's, area, which let's is talk fantastic. To those stats. When we think about looking at performance, the first thing most of us do will be let's go on Rewa and look at sales growth evidence for the mm. year or, or median house price growth. And the thing that's strange to me, and this is where I, I struggle with data sometimes, because I see the house by house data every day that comes in, and I, and I track Willoughby quite specifically because we've got a number of projects that have run through there. Rewa is reporting a year on year sales growth of 3.8% Willoughby. Now, I fall off my chair when I see mm. that because the reality that I'm seeing is more like 20%. It's higher. That's right. And the only way that I can reconcile that is that with the advent of the rezoning of Willoughby, there's a number of smaller units that have come in on the market, which is skewing the subset of properties in Willoughby that are being sold. Do you have any other explanation as to how that anomaly is coming through? So one of the things that I've thought about is that when families have moved into Willoughby, they're no longer wanting to use it as a stepping stone to get into Melville or Palmyra or even over to Bigden. What they're wanting to do is upsize in the area or they're just remaining in the suburb because they love the school, they love the community, they've got everything they need there. So they just don't want to move anymore. So you'll find that the first home buyers may be coming into a smaller part or a two by one unit, they'll move on. But I really feel like I'm struggling to get listings in the area of $700,000 or plus. Families are happy to remain in the area, put up with their properties that maybe they first purchased in Willoughby a few years ago due to the fact that there's such a low amount of listings on the market at the moment, something like 3,800 listings available. There's nowhere for them to go. It is interesting to note there really isn't much available on the market at all. And I think that's a good point that you make. It really sits across most of Western Australia, to be frank, that same theme that there are a number of people I think who will be ready to move, Mm. who will be ready to upgrade, downsize, but they just have nowhere to go. And in the case of Willoughby, they're comfortable there in the first place unless something compelling is moving them along it's not a situation where people are coming to you saying i'm ready to go i'll figure it out later i assume a lot of your job which i've also broached with a couple of other agents recently on this podcast Mm. is you're acting not only as a selling agent 
but often as a buyer's agent just to find somewhere to live for the people you're trying to list for. So you've got to become really creative in terms of finding that property for your seller to upgrade to within the area or out of the suburb. Otherwise, they're just sitting tight waiting for the market to change and more listings to come into the market, I suppose. We've never seen so many subject to sale buyers as we are seeing at the moment. But they're not winning the properties, are they? Subject to sale is a really tough one in the market as hot as this to convince a seller, let alone a seller's agent, to actually accept, right? There's enough people out there going cash or 21 days finance. Absolutely. And what I'm seeing also in the market right now is that buyers, even from six months ago, buyers are pre-approved, ready to go, hot to trot. They're just ready to get into the race, I suppose. They're much more organised, aren't they? Very much so. Because they have to be. This is a cool stat to note. There are six properties on the market right now, you'd know this, Mm. in a suburb of nearly 5,000 people. I mean, that's just ridiculous when you think about it. And rental growth has gone up 20% this year. Now, that's what makes sense to me. And I've seen that across Mm. the course of it. What I want to talk to you about, and this is why we've got you in, is you are the source of anecdotes. We love to hear stats, but what I really think people love to hear is stories. So you've got a few properties that you can talk about to us today mm. uh, that you've sold recently that I know you've also sold in the past or that have you know sold in the last few years that people can really start to recognize, connect the dots to go, holy shit, like th- this is some serious growth going on in this suburb. I never thought to look here. I'll start off the bat with, with a few of our developments that you've sold over the last few months. I remember we purchased a number of triplex sites, Arkwell Street, a couple mm-hmm. on there that you've sold recently for us. Uh, we purchased those blocks in the 500,000s at the time and we were doing our feasibilities that these units, once we finished building them, would sell for mid 500s if we were lucky at the time. This was 2020. Mm-hmm. I-, I thought we were being pretty spot on there. We weren't being too aggressive, too conservative. Tell us some stories about what you've sold for us on Arkwell Street in the last couple of months. Yes, so I believe that your client's purchased one down at 120 Arkwell Street for around the $600,000 mark. Yep. Parkside location. That end of Arkwell Street hasn't had a full regentrification. It's been a little bit slower. You've got a lot of older clientele who are holding on to their large blocks, but a fantastic location there opposite Weber Reserve. It's down near the end where, you know, it's close walking distance to Woolworths as well. So I brought those out in late November. The street front one has sold for $850,000. I could sit here and say I'm a genius, right? But there's no way that I could have expected that a three by two across the road from a park in Willoughby mm. would be selling for $850,000. I'm a massive bull in this market. I look at the market every day. But I'm falling off my seat. Every time that you bring me an opportunity to buy, I say there's no way that the market's going to pay that. That's ridiculous. You've been getting that price. I'd like to say that you're a fantastic agent, which you are, but it still absolutely has been surprising me the performance of this suburb more than any other suburb in Western Australia. You don't just sell in Willoughby. You're selling Coolblup, Cardinia, Mm. Samson. Mm. What's happening in Willoughby? What is the secret source here? Yes, every suburb in Perth has been growing. We've seen 20, 25% across most of Perth. But I'm seeing more like 50, 60% across Willoughby in the last four years. What's happening? I think in terms of developers, they really come into the suburb, they listen to what the buyers are looking for and I think that's a key to the change in the suburb. Rather than bringing these cookie-cutter little three-by-twos that are going to sell, they're putting more money into them, they're putting high specs on them, really strong features, really thinking about 
how they're going to make this product appeal to the buyer. We can't say enough about the suburb, what the suburb offers, but in terms of what product we're actually bringing to the market, it's different than most suburbs, I believe. Mm. And the developers are really getting on board with that. That's the point, right? When you're gentrifying, you don't want it to turn out like another Balga. And Balga, for everyone listening, northern suburb is about 13Ks north of Perth. That suburb was blanket rezoned 25 years ago to R40, and it is just low-quality cookie-cutter triplexes throughout the whole suburb. Really not a lot of increase in amenity. A lowest common denominator policy, really, that's run through there in a low socioeconomic area. The same thing could have happened to Willoughby. Mm. It really could. I mean, there is no real control that the local government has over the quality of the build. They can control the de- design, but the quality doesn't always come out the way you want it to. So it is a good point to note here that when everyone comes in, either whether it's through a renovation, and we'll talk about those next because you've seen a few of those, uh, but also through the infill that's happening in Willoughby, it is actually seeming to bring up the quality level, this this minimum standard of product in Willoughby, which originally was just old 50s and 60s state government homes, really. You talk about the City of Melville or the local council. I think the City of Melville had an idea of what they wanted Willoughby to become. And I feel that they were on the right page. They understood the suburb and keeping in with the 50s and 60s feel, bringing in the newest type of product. I think we've been able to spread a good amount of product across Willoughby that appeals to not only first home buyers, but downsizers as well. Let's talk about a development block that recently sold in Willoughby. It's on Chilton Street. R25 zoning, 810 square metre block, so it's a duplex block. Most of the time in Willoughby, you would see this turn into a house behind a house land subdivision. I'm sure you would agree, four years ago, that property would have sold in the 500,000. That's right. What did it just sell for? Chilton Street just sold for $870,000. This is a perfect example where, again, the underlying value of this property, the highest and best use is that subdivision, is retaining the house, uh, doing a small renovation on it, I guess, and then selling the land at the back. $870,000 isn't achieved unless uh, the underlying value of that front house when renovated and the land at the back can support that. People just won't pay for it unless it's an owner-occupier. And clearly we're seeing some some real value growth there. I mean, you see in particular along Chiltern Street, there are a few along that street that have been knocked over and they've built double story side by sides. You're in a really nice pocket there. And I think that the buyers looking in there can see that what's been presented, what products have been built, it's a nice little pocket. Well, that's a good alternative as well, right? As yeah. you said, there are side-by-side properties, two stories that have been built there. It's really lifted the value of that street up from what it used to be. Correct. And that is the other alternative. If you, if you do the numbers again, you could also support doing a side-by-side land development too. So clearly the numbers have been done. Uh, I wouldn't have paid that. I was in <laughs> at a lower price than the 800s when I looked at it myself. Mm. But clearly the market is supporting these numbers. Well, we had eight offers, Trent, on that property. That starts to give you a bit of confidence that mm. there is quite a depth in the buyer pool in in Willoughby and as you said before the issue is probably not uh, the amount of buyers but just the amount of sellers which would be the only thing holding back more records coming along. Well when you look at Denian Street last year an agent sold on a triplex block street front went for 1.135 million for a just over 200 square meter block it was a four bedroom three bathroom so the numbers stack up. The the price points are there as you said. Another one that's sold a couple of months ago it wasn't from yourself but was from an out of suburb agent got a listing there Seven Wayland Street, and this one's blowing me off my chair a little bit. Uh, 
8th of August, 2020, the owner bought that property for $435,000. It's a three by one on 440 squares, right? That property sold, as you would know, for $750,000 late last year. That is a 72% increase in price in three years. It's very hard to correlate these numbers, but you're not surprised by this. It doesn't because happen you're all the time. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time, no. but these prices are being achieved, right? 750, this is not an anomaly. You're seeing no. like most things in Willard are going for numbers up to a million dollars, if not more now, right? That's right. I've just saw one on Worley Street opposite Winnicott Oval. It was a street front, 1950s home. A local resident purchased it, went over 800000 Lifestyle of having their home opposite a park, and it was a three-bedroom, one-bathroom, double-brick home. Let's juxtapose this across a couple of the other suburbs that you do sell in mm. quite a bit. We yes. mentioned Corbel up before. Yes. For everyone listening, Corbel up a step down in the socioeconomics and dem- demographics. I'd say that Willoughby's pushed itself from the third quartile into the second quartile over the last couple of years. Corbel up's probably gone from the fourth, tipping into the third now in terms of price point and demographics. It's supported a lot by the hospital. You know, a lot of doctors mm, and nurses starting right. to move into Corbel up these mm-hmm. days, but also just the price point of the suburbs around it: Hamilton Hill, Hilton. Beaconsfield, uh, these suburbs have just rocketed as well. So yeah. naturally, Cool Bluff comes up. Prices dropped to as low as $360,000 for full development blocks in Cool Bluff four yes. years ago. I mean, that is that is as low as it went. They're going in the 600s now, aren't they? 700s. Jeez, that's new to me. And the other thing is that I think that with Willoughby being outpriced with most first-home buyers, some of the developers, they're just moving across to Kubelup. They've seen what Willoughby has been able to achieve over the last few years. They're hoping that Kubelup's going to be the next it suburb, which it is. Why it's is exciting that? at the moment. What's happening in Kubelup? What's is it, is it simply the case that we have similar dynamics there? You've got subdivision potential mm. so people can come in and gentrify things there's a number That's of parks right. it's quite a green suburb cool up what else is supporting that price rise because to be frank when you look across the river and you go to places like balga girawain westminster yes we're seeing price growth there mm. these are analogous suburbs that you know, they are the equivalent north of the river mm. but we've seen nothing like the price growth of cool up and willoughby in these suburbs What's the difference? I'm, I'm really trying to grasp it myself as to how this is being released. It has to be that there is a shift in demographics that can afford this. Absolutely. But I also think it's about opportunity. So both of these suburbs of Willoughby and Kubla, with the rezoning, there's an opportunity for mum and dad developers to come in and do a development. That, you know, Kubla has R30s, R60s available. And it's just made a big difference to the suburb in terms of they can often see that they can make some money out of purchasing a, a block essentially for around between that five and $600,000 range mm. and to be able to put three new properties on it. I don't know if I've told you, but I recently sold a triplex in Kublup on Arcadamus and Aegis and I sold two under construction for six seventy five and 690000 for three by twos. And I've just sold around October a three by two. So it was the final one to go for $713,000 multiple offers. You were doing well if you were getting in the low 400s. Well, I think the first time I came into Kublup and started selling villas, it was a 16, 18-month-old villa that uh, on the other side, closer to Seton College, and we got 525 for a rear three by two. That was the first time that we saw the prices start to change. Mm. You say that, you know, as agents, it doesn't make a difference, but it does make a difference when you have faith in a suburb, that when you encourage 
buyers, developers to come into an area and it starts to change and the prices change. Of course, the market going up, the lack of listings does have an effect. But when you have agents who are working day in, day out, seeing the benefits of a suburb, you can just start to see it change. These two suburbs, I think, are the perfect shining light to have that conversation about that real transition in prices we've seen. Obviously, you're across both of these as a correlation. Great agent, but you're not the only agent selling in, in no. these suburbs, right? So, That's right. Uh, do you think these suburbs have had their run? Do you think they can go much further in there at the, for the time? I mean, they've outperformed nearly every other suburb in Perth. We expect Perth to continue to have growth, mm. but not every suburb grows homogeneously. There'll be one year where, for example, Armidale suburbs made 30% last year across the board. You see suburbs in the western suburbs that have essentially been flatlining based on affordability for that demographic. Are you seeing the same pressure rolling on at the moment in these suburbs? I can't see it changing in terms of negatively. These suburbs, they're exciting to the developer. They're exciting to families. You've got the support, particularly in Willoughby, of you know the local high school and primary school. I can't see it changing. I've also sold a family home late last year in December and it's going to be a record sale price for the area. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's not brand new. You're not new. going to tell us the price of that on air, <laughs> no. but it is absolutely in Willoughby. Watch this space. Smashing records mm. that most people would look at, for example, Winthrop and Melville and be you know, eyebrow raising. For Willoughby, it, it really is quite nuts what that price it's is going to, to be. put us on the map again. Well, and I think it's already on job. the map. When you think about buyer profile, uh, obviously not every property, and to be frank, not many properties at the moment, given how lucrative it has been for people, is a development block. Most of them are not development blocks. They are the product of a development or a renovation or just simply a, a standard fully detached home. What's your buyer pool looking like at the moment? If you profile, if you give me a, a couple of profiles. So in terms of Willoughby, owner occupies, um, I would say 60% inquiry comes from families. 25% would come from Perth investors and a good 15% would come from over east at the moment. Well, so I've seen a big difference even honest. over the last eight to 10 weeks. When you think about the profile there, it's not a great sign to see a suburb have a significant amount of investment percentage, especially from the east coast, because we we understand it, it is a herd that it rolls around chasing the greenest grass. And mm. the second it's not green anymore, the sales signs go up. And that's not great mm. for a suburb. There are other areas, for example, you know, Shane Beaumont has told us in the past about Gosnells. He'll be on in a couple of weeks again to give us an update. His inquiry has been 50% or or more from from East Coast investors for the last three years. Doesn't right? surprise me. That reflects the area of, of Gosnells compared mm. to the buyer pool, for example. But to suggest that we're only talking maybe 15% shows there really is quite a foundation of that local owner-occupier, which is probably a big reason why we're seeing this continual support of property prices. Absolutely. Last question, land. Since build costs have gone up by 60% in the last three years, it's obvious that most people have shied away from taking their build on essentially since all the conversations about building companies going broke have mm. come to the fore and of course that's a logical thing to do however we've started to see over the last six months i'd say people start to come back into the building game simply because they're losing faith in their ability to actually just buy an established property and also as perfect example here in Willoughby, that the established price has got to a point where it actually makes sense to have a look at building just from a financial point of view if you can grab a piece of land now it's certainly not uh, got to a point where it's the flavor of the month where everyone's deciding i'm going to build now i'm not going to buy established but how is it looking in willoughby if it's a trailblazer in the median house price space where that shift has happened so quickly i'd expect there to be some pressure 
of people accepting at least buying some vacant land. Am I wrong? What's interesting about that, Trent, is we're getting a lot of inquiry on land available. I feel that the frustration of not being able to find an established home, you're right, they're just looking at an alternative to actually get into the market. So building is now something that buyers are considering, especially in Willoughby. Was that a case a year ago? Could you move land a year ago? Yes, but it was harder. So the last three blocks of land, I had multiple offers, which didn't happen even during the time where the government gave an incentive to build. And have you seen price growth? So a good example of recent sales in land. Previously, I'd sold a six-unit development. One of my buyers came back, wanted to resell his land. We sold it in November 22 for $380,000. It was a green title street front home. Ten months later, I sold the block right next door for 425000 with multiple offers. Mm, so that really starts to show the dynamic is starting to shift. Late last year, yes. we had multiple offers for a street front in green title block in Arkwell Street, one of the busiest streets in Willoughby for someone to go spend some money and build a pretty substantial home, I would have thought. So this home will be worth seven figures when it's done. And the other sale I had was down on Denian Street due to the fact that a few of the developments had sold and achieved record sale prices the year before. So a buyer was encouraged to spend $425,000 on a rear block of land in a dress circle location of Willoughby. Yeah, so we're talking $1,000 a square metre essentially, whereas a couple of years earlier you had a property with a house on it selling for essentially the same price. Things have really moved in Willoughby. I have. Siobhan, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming in. Please keep giving us updates. For everyone else listening, an update on the market right now, 3,700 properties on the market right now. It is an absolute barnstorm. When you think about supply, only a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about there being 4,700 properties on the market, just breaking through 5,000. A year ago, it was 7,000. So we have half the amount of properties on the market as a year ago. That's right. Unbelievable. Crazy. Never seen it like this before in my time of real estate. The data shows that none of us, no one in real estate has ever seen the demand supply dynamics be so tight in recorded history. So Siobhan, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll speak to you again with an update soon. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!